Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about the highest version of yourself. And it goes hand in hand with priorities. That's originally what I was going to talk about was priorities and prioritizing your life and really getting your life in order so that you can move forward because prayer can change everything and is a superpower and God can change everything, but you have to do the actions. You can't just sit around and keep praying for God to bring you money and pray for him to change your life if you're not willing to do the things that you need to do. And I'm preaching to myself because I am in the same boat as you. I struggle the same ways as you. And I I hear God tell me things and I don't listen and I don't do them. And then I look back in my journal and I laugh because I'm like, wow, if I would have just listened to God. Like I have this um, little whiteboard thing that I wrote one time, God just hit me and I grabbed a pen and started writing all this stuff on this, on this little whiteboard thing. And I put it on my filing cabinet so I could always see it. And this is when I was in like the heart of my last career. I was like so deep in it. It was all I thought about. It was all I wanted to accomplish. And all of a sudden, God told me the end game is not network marketing or direct sales. It's not coaching people in network marketing or direct sales, which is what I felt like was my end game. Like my end game is to make a million dollars in this company, retire, invest. All I want to do is be successful in this company. And so writing that down was very crazy. Like it's, it is, is, the end game is not about network marketing. It's not about coaching network marketers. It's about God motivating Christian women, inspiring Christian women to get into their calling. And then I wrote, write a book, start speaking, pray, listen more and plug into a local community. Let go of pride, stop spending money, respect John, focus on my kids. And it all just like poured out of me one day. and. Although I believed it, it came from the deepest part of my soul. I wasn't ready to accept that because I was still focused on making money. And it wasn't until I healed internally, old wounds. I heard something the other day. It said, everything comes from trauma, drama, daddy, or mama. (laughs) I was like, ain't that the truth? (laughs) That is the truth. And so I had to heal myself or God healed me. And then I was able to move to the next step. So I keep this right next to me because it's just proof that I can hear God talk to me. And what I wrote down and didn't want to believe it and wasn't ready to follow it was the truth way back when. And I didn't know how this was going to come into fruition. And I wasn't sure, 
but I knew that it was the truth. And you have to get yourself into action eventually and do the things that you know that you need to do. We all want a better life. All of us. We're sick of being unfulfilled. We're sick of lacking passion. We're sick of being miserable. All I said for so long is I just want to be happy. Like that's all I kept saying. That's all I kept coming out of my mouth to my husband. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Like, when am I going to be happy? I just want to be happy again. And I realized that I was completely in control of all of those things. And we talk about rewiring our brain and shifting our focus and journaling and praying and reading devotionals and reading our Bibles and plugging into communities. All of these things are going to help you, but you have to be committed to living as the highest version of yourself because God created you that way. He created you to be the highest version of yourself, but trauma, drama, daddy, mama has really affected you and the way that you've learned to protect yourself and to cope and to be happy and to block things out. They're all survival techniques that we've done as we've grown and the older we get, the more ingrained these are into us. And so it's harder to let go of. So if you never dealt with this and worked on this, when you're 50, 60, 70, 80, you're still going to have to deal with it. It doesn't eventually go away. You have to deal with it. You have to be aware and you have to be intentionally focused on being the highest version of yourself. This isn't going to happen every single day. This list that I'm going to give you is not about perfection and, okay, this is my new list and this is who I'm going to be. And I'm going to do all of these things. It's not about perfection. It's about grace and it's about growing and slowly evolving into this person. I highly recommend writing a lot of this stuff down in your journal because it's going to be proof for you that you have changed. The change might be so slow that you might not notice it, like your kid's growing. You don't really notice when your kid grows, but if you have a niece or a nephew or a grandchild that you haven't seen in a while, you're like, oh my gosh, you're huge, like, because you haven't seen them. And so it's going to be very gradual, but all you need to do is grow one step every single day. And in a hundred days, you'll grow a hundred steps. So break it down. And give yourself grace, write down grace if you need to, circle it if you're a perfectionist. I get it. This is not about I am changing my life and I'm going to be the highest version of myself and here's my checklist and I'm going to hold myself to it. You first need to know what's motivating you to do this, to be the highest version of yourself, because you're not going to be the highest version of yourself if you don't know why you're doing it. And really know why do you want to be better? And there's two things that motivate people. There's extrinsic and intrinsic. And extrinsic is triggered by external factors. So you're, you're motivated because you're trying to avoid pain. You're motivated because you don't want to be broke. You're motivated because you want recognition or reward, something external. You want to raise or you want to impress people. And that's being extrinsic. 
And it's all external things that are motivating you to move forward. And this is what I used to do in my old business. I was motivated by proving people wrong. I was motivated by showing them my worth. I was motivated by that next big check, that next big rank, that next big reward. And I also needed that approval and recognition because I didn't have it from my father growing up. And that's what made me feel whole and fulfilled and chosen. So I thought when I got there, it was like someone in the desert that's so thirsty and you see a body of water. And as you walk, it gets further and further and further away. That's exactly what was happening to me. And it happens to all of us. We think if I just had that money, I would be happy. If I just had this relationship, I would be happy. If I just lived in that place, I'd be happy. And you wouldn't. It's, it's as simple as that. You wouldn't be happy if you had that. Intrinsic motivation is based on beliefs and values. And this is where you need to get your motivation from to be the highest version of yourself. So it can be things like, I like to be challenged and I want to apply myself so that I can challenge myself and get to this place. It can still be a little competitive, but it also can be things like, I want to be the highest version of myself because I want better for my family or my future family. And my dear, dear, sweet, sweet friend, Victoria Stump is maybe going to make an appearance today. Maybe not. She might get on next week, but this woman is so motivating And I am so proud of her. We had a conversation a few years ago and she wanted to change herself. She was so sick and tired of living the life that she was living. She was so sick and tired of having an eating disorder and being unhealthy and feeling terrible. And not only feeling terrible physically, but feeling terribly mentally and all of the guilt and the shame and everything she was feeling. And she was married and she doesn't have kids yet. And we had a conversation about her changing her life for her future kids. I said, imagine if you were to get yourself together before you have kids, all of the hurt and pain that you would avoid them experiencing because their mom was whole and healthy. A lot of us came from upbringings where our parents weren't whole and healthy and they did the best they could with what they had. You have to get to that point where you realize they did the best they could. And her her mom did the best and she's getting on right now. This is amazing. Her mom did the best she could and she wanted better for her future family. Victoria, we're talking about you. It's perfect that you just got on, like <laughs> literally. Yep. I, my ears were ringing from Idaho. <laughs> so it was literally perfect timing. I was like, hopefully she gets on, maybe she won't. But we had the conversation and I feel like something just changed inside of you when you were like, I'm just done. I want better for my future family. I want better for my future generations. This is my only chance to change. and. A lot of us feel like I have to change, like, you know, you need to change, you know, that it has to come, but you're so focused on your goals and like moving forward in your life 
like a lot of people do this with money where you're like, I'm so broke. I'm so broke. Like if I could just make money, if I could just make six figures, if I could just get to that next place, but this might be your only opportunity to learn how to be happy with no money before the money comes in and you're happy because you have the money. That's never going to keep the money around. And you're never going to learn the lesson of being happy with no money. If you have money. It is the only opportunity that you can learn to rely on God and to not care about money for your happiness. That's hard. A lot of people are only happy if they have a good job, if they're making good money, if they're moving up in work, you lose your job, you're laid off, you're demoted. Uh, that's like what crushes people. But money is not what's supposed to crush you. So if you don't have a family yet, which a lot of us don't, have our own children, our own families that we're raising and we're building and we're creating, this might be the only opportunity you have to get well, to get in the right place before you raise your kids. That's a scary thing. Think of how you were messed up as a child, things that were said to you, ways that people treated you. I, going back there and thinking of those those statements people made, the questions they had, the labels they placed on you, especially if it's from your parent, that's really hard. If you can be the best version of yourself now, you're going to avoid so much generational curse and sin. So much. And it's going to allow you to raise up the next generation, whether you have children or not, you are called to raise up anyone that is around you nieces, nephews, cousins, kids in your community, your neighbors, your kids that you're connected to at work or your friends' kids. That is the generation that we're called to lift up. It starts with us. A lot of people think the next generation is the little kids. The next generation is us. Is people 30, 40, 50. We are the next generation. It starts with us changing, being the best version of ourselves so that we can change the next generation after us. That's how it's gonna trickle down and go. And Victoria went on and changed like everything about her life. And like she said, she lives in Idaho. I live in Michigan. We met through our old work. We didn't know each other before that. And we've only stayed in contact through social media, phone calls, things back and forth. Victoria was the very first person that God brought to me when I started intentionally praying for God to connect me to my people. It was a prayer I started saying every single day, Lord, make the perfect connections. People who I need, people who need me, people who need you, make the perfect connections, connect me to my sisters in Christ. And when I met Victoria and we hugged, we both were like, I feel like you're my sister or something. Like, I feel like we have known each other forever. Our souls are connected. And she will text me like she did this morning out of the blue. And I will text her. And it's totally just God is in the middle of our relationship because she'll be like, hey, how is this going? I just thought of you. God popped you in my head. I'm like, of course, <laughs> of course you messaged me right now or just anything. And it's, it's so incredible. That's why I'm so big on praying that prayer. Because it wasn't just Victoria who came to me. There was a lot of people and all of you that are on here live are also those people who came. So if you feel that connection, 
with someone, it, there's a reason why you should be together. But I watched Victoria go and change her life. And can you tell us, Victoria, because I would rather people hear it from you, but what are some things that you changed after you went home and you decided like enough is enough. I need to start changing my life. Um, I'm trying to, did we meet in March of 20 of last year? I was it in I March. So. I think so. Yeah. So I guess the first thing is like, I had that conversation with Taryn in March and nothing really changed. And I mean, I, I had that, like, I guess you could say seed inside of me of like, all the things that she said and all of my tears, um, but nothing really changed until October, November of last year. And so that, I guess when you think of like changing your life, becoming the highest version of you, uh, I think it can be really easy to think that it's, you're just going to overturn everything all at once. And really it was a lot of little things over time. Um, and like the, one of the best things that I like started doing was just creating that space for myself, whether it's like in the morning, in the evening, in the middle of the day to like, whether it's moving my body, whether it's getting prepared for a meal or anything that was like for me, um, because I've, I have a very, I guess like that servant heart. I always want to be doing things for other people. I went into nursing. And so that was a very natural inclination for me. Um, but the biggest like disservice, like come from coming from that field was that I had no idea how to take care of myself. And like, it got me to, I was like over 350 pounds last year and so unhealthy. And so like, I couldn't even like, I would get out of bed and I would feel like I walked like miles, like I ran miles and like, I didn't, um, so yeah, just like being very intentional about like the things that I'm listening to, the things that I'm reading. Um, I read a lot. I like one of my favorite books is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that book, like every single time I would go to do something, I would say like, is this casting a vote for the type of person I'm, I want to become? And if not, then I'm not going to cast that vote. Um, and then like, he, I mean, he has so many great like nuggets in there, but that was a really big one of like, what is the general trajectory of the type of person that I want to become and start casting that votes for that person. And over time, like, man, it was like little things every single day. And I look back over the past year and I'm like, Oh, like that was a lot. It's that compounding effect. So sorry. I got a little teary. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, you know, I love when people cry because it just shows that you're connected deep in your soul. Like what you're saying is coming out and it's good. And I try to tell people all the time when usually when I talk to people on clarity calls, they're like, I can't believe I'm crying. I'm like, normally people cry when I talk to them. Like I'm just used to it. It's good because it shows like the saying is like, your why should make you cry. And it should be so connected to why you're changing this, why you're doing this, that it brings out the emotions in you, the raw, real emotions. And I just love that. I love that you cried. <laughs> and you cried for a good reason, because the thinking of how you used to be is, is such an awful feeling. And we can all think that. 
when I sat down to write my book, I couldn't write it for so long because I didn't want to go back into the valley. I, I just, I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back there. I, I have buried it and moved on and was so, and I had to go back and truly sit in those feelings of how I felt and how defeated I was and how miserable I was. Nobody wants to go back there, but the thing that made me go back there was my servanthood and is the same as yours, Victoria, because that is a gift of serving and being empathetic and wanting to do better for other people. I think of going back into the Valley now, every time that I go into the Valley, I don't want to go like I was last week. I don't recognize I'm going back until I'm already there and I hate it. And then once I realize I'm there, I'm so grateful for it because it allowed me to go back and relate to people. And I'm like going down into the value Valley and rescuing people out of it. Like every time I go back there, I'm able to relate to that person there and pull them back out. And that's why when you go through something huge, writing a book is so freeing and it's so great because you're going back and you're pulling people out of that mindset. And that is so healing for so many of us. If you're an empath and you're someone who truly loves to serve other people, a lot of times you get through this event, this, this, adversity or this trauma or the healing or you leave a job or you have this big revelation and all you want to do is help other people that are still stuck in that mindset that are still struggling with that and most of the time that's how a brand is birthed and that's how Victoria's brand was birthed because when I met her she was a nurse a full-time nurse working in a facility and now her job has changed a lot. And so tell me, Victoria, how you made that transition as you were changing um, the partner you met, your business partner. I would love to hear that side of it, just how God works and moves and why he needed you to be healed and he needed you to take action and move forward so that you could live out the calling that God had on your life. Yeah. So it's been like different, um, versions, but I, I haven't updated you fully. So, but anyways, I, um, I had met, um, a dear friend, her name's Kelsey and she was, it was like such a, it was such a God thing. Um, in December of last year, my friend, it was his birthday and we invited him to our cab, my parents' cabin. And he happened to bring his sister along and she happened to, coach people, women that struggle with food and their relationship with their bodies. And I was just like chuckling because what are the odds? Um, and so long story short, I had gone through her program, um, that she does for, um, like eating and body image stuff. Um, and, and then it kind of just evolved into me kind of helping her with a lot of the stuff that she was doing or giving my insight. Um, she's also like in a smaller body and I'm in a bigger body. And so like, we had a lot of really interesting conversations, um, just about our perspectives and whatnot. And then, um, I kind of like started helping with the, the end. I did all the like, you know, graphics and stuff for the course, did all those things that were really fun. Um, and then we started, I kind of started pulling away just for, I wanted to kind of do something on my own. Um, but 
out of that came our, we have a podcast and that has been, that that's been amazing. Like to be able to like verbally process with another person, we've been doing it since January. And so just seeing that consistency um, and the things that we talk about and the things that, I mean, most of the time I'm crying or stumbling over my words, um, but from that, like, yes, it's been challenging and it's been challenging to like open up about those things, but the amount of messages that we get of like, this is so interesting. Like I would have never, I live in a bigger body. I would have never thought that that was her perspective or that that was her perspective. Um, so it's been like this, this beautiful exchange of, you know, I, I'm sharing my story and Kelsey and I are kind of like processing things that we experienced, um, individually. And then the, the effect of that is just like this huge ripple effect. Um, and so not only am I able to like heal in that way, but I'm able to share like little bits. And I would say like, I now have a really healthy relationship with food. Like that's not, um, once you start like doing that inner work, it opens up so much space for who you're actually supposed to be. And like so much more time, I couldn't imagine like having, I couldn't conceptualize that. Like if I did that work, who would I actually be? Cause that was, I was so connected to the struggle mm -hmm. and finally stepping away from that. Like I have so much more time. I have so much more headspace. Um, so yeah, Kelsey and I, we, we're still friends. We still podcast together, but I, I kind of just help out per diem, if you will. Yeah. It's, so. it's just so great that you said that you have so much headspace. And I think it's, I think of it as a shackle on your ankle. And this was shackling you and your true calling, your true identity was outside the door, but you couldn't reach it because you're shackled with this chain. <laughs> I've been watching the show called The Patient. Have you guys watched it? It was Steve Carell on Hulu. Okay, so good. But he's, he's chained to the floor. That's literally what I think. Like, you can't reach the other room. You cannot go beyond you see the outside, you see the birds, you see the sun, you see the grass, you see everything. You can't get to it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot get to it because this thing is keeping you here and you don't have the space to get to it. And if you feel like there is something and this is what you need to do, you need to close your eyes and you need to ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me what is chaining me to the floor reveal to me and be quiet and write it down. I will write down the question at, at, on my journal and I will say 10 minute meditation, God, where am I chained to the floor? And I will spend 10 minutes with my timer on my phone, closing my eyes, thinking, listening, and then I just start writing it down. And a lot of times I don't even read it right away. I will go back and reread it. And it is, it will blow your mind when you read what God is telling you, you know, what's holding you back. You know, the addiction, you know, the indulgence, you know, the thought, you know, the person, you know, the trauma, you know, what's holding you back. You really do. And if you are like, I, Taryn, I swear, I do not know what's holding me back. And after you do the meditation and ask God to reveal it to you, if you still absolutely cannot get there. You need someone to help you get there, like a Christian counselor, 
a therapist, someone that's going to pull this out that can see things that you can't see and can make sense of things that you can't make sense of. Because in order to get into your calling, you have to break the chain. That is where you're going to walk into your calling. And so many people feel miserable. Like, how do I just feel fulfilled? How do I step into my calling? How do I know who God created me to be? It starts with this. It really does. So there's two questions that you need to ask yourself in your journal. The first one is, so we're talking about yourself, the highest version of you. How does this person feel on a day-to-day business, um, minute to minute? Not even day by day, but minute by minute. How does this person feel? And what does this person do minute by minute, day by day? And a couple of the things, I'm going to give you some examples of some stuff that I had written down in my journal. And I actually went back to my journal from last year and went through it. And I wrote out what I had written back last year. So how does this person feel? She feels fulfilled joyful, content, passionate, loves herself. And that requires knowing yourself. You can't love someone that you don't know. So you need to get to know yourself and then truly unconditionally love yourself. Um, This person, how she feels, she doesn't criticize or judge others or herself, doesn't gossip. Um, I'm not thinking about fear when I'm the highest version of myself. I'm not people pleasing. Couple things to know if you're people pleasing, by the way. Um, if you want everyone to like you, or you try to avoid disagreeing with people, you don't ever speak your mind, you never say no. That's me. I'm always like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. Um, if you are a people pleasing, you like to think that you never get angry and you never tell people how you feel, even when they make you angry. And you kind of feel like you'd rather go along with the pack than stand your ground. That's all people pleasing. And it goes hand in hand with boundaries So the highest version of myself isn't people-pleasing. I'm not negatively talking to myself. And um, one of the biggest things is that you have to know your purpose. So you feel purposeful. In order to feel purposeful with God, you have to know what your purpose is. And that's where my course comes in find your purpose that will lead you to God and what you need to do to find your purpose because it is like six hours of videos. It's way more than I can talk about on a podcast. It can be found at mentoringthemasses.com. Click the link in my bio on Instagram at Terrence Arconi and you can find it on my link. I love Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You have to commit your work to the Lord. It's not just about, oh, okay, I'll just do this. This is all I've ever done. So this is what I'll do. No, you need to commit your work to the Lord in order to commit something. 
You need to give it your attention, your focus. This is where I'm committing. I'm making a covenant with you. I'm committing my work to you. And your plans will be established. That's a promise. It doesn't say commit your work to the Lord and maybe you'll get lucky and he'll establish your plans. No, and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16, 3. And then Mark 8, 36 says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And for me, that's what was happening when I was working for my previous career. I was... I was trying to gain the whole world. And in return, I was forfeiting my soul. And that is backwards. When you are not living the highest version of yourself and you're kind of living this Eeyore mindset of just, I guess my life, this sucks. I feel terrible. But you're not changing. You're just moping around all the time living in this place. Like my, my childhood was bad and I'm mad at my mom and I hate my job and I hate myself and that you are exactly where the devil wants you. He is celebrating in hell with all his demons because you are exactly where he wants you to be. You can't go into your calling. You're shackled to the floor and you're just "Mm, poor me, poor me. Yeah, it is poor you. You should feel bad that you're in this mindset, but you have the power to get out of it. You have the power to choose this highest version because it's who you were created to be. God doesn't want you to be mediocre. God doesn't want you to be unfulfilled. He doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to be whole, healthy, fulfilled, content, passionate, joyful. And a lot of those are the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Like he wants you to be that. And he says, if you spend more time with me, you will have the fruits of the spirit. You will have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, greatness, gentleness, self-control. You will start to develop that divinely. It won't even be you trying to create this person. You will just become this person. And you stepping out of this shackle and saying, you know what? No more. I might not believe that I'm very worthy. I might not believe that I'm chosen, but I believe in God and I believe what he says. And I am going to believe this with everything in my soul eventually one day. And I'm going to start making the choices. Like Victoria said, casting the vote on who you want to be. Is this going to make me better or is this going to make me worse? So the first is, how, do, how does the highest version of myself feel? How do I feel? That's what you need a journal about. The other part is, what does this person do? And Tony Robbins talks about if you want to change your mental state, you have to first change your physical state. You cannot just continue to lay in bed and be depressed and miserable and then say, okay, I'm going to change it. I'm going to get motivated. No, you cannot just change your state from staying in the same physical state. So my tennis shoe trick is one I tell everyone who needs to change their state. Put your tennis shoes on, set a timer for 15 minutes, put on music and power clean your house as fast as you can. You can do whatever you want inside your house that's driving you crazy 
clean your fridge, do laundry, pick up stuff, vacuum, dust, whatever you want to do, a 15, 10, 15 minute power cleaning session with your tennis shoes on, getting your body moving, your brain will change. You will be more motivated to do things. You will want to be a different person. So that's why this is a two-step thing. Like, what does this person think? What is this person doing? Because your actions are what you're doing. You cannot just say, okay, this is what I'm going to think. I'm going to think it into existence. It's going to work. You have to change your actions and your thoughts will follow. And this is where the perfectionist comes in. This is why I said, if you're a perfectionist, don't think about this. The thing that you need to write down if you're a perfectionist, and I had this posted on my computer for literally probably two years until I broke my perfectionism. I wrote down done beats perfect. Done beats perfect. It, it, it will never be perfect. Being perfect is this puddle of water in the desert. When you get there, it's still not perfect. Done beats perfect. Like done, it's good enough. Move on. It's better than being perfect. It's great. Done beats perfect. Write that down if you struggle with perfectionism. Get a tattoo on your forearm. <laughs> really look at it, okay? So some of the things that I needed to change and that I wanted to do as the highest version of myself is I wanted to wake up early. I hate waking up early. Let me just tell you that, okay? The, the fleshly normal person who I am is sleeping till like 11 or 12 o'clock. <laughs> I would love to sleep till 11 or 12 o'clock every day. That's not going to make me the highest version of myself though. And that's actually not even biblical. Jesus woke up before the sun and spent time with his father. And he modeled how we should live and communicate with God. We should be waking up with the sun. We should be waking up with the sun and the sun with UN and ON waking up with both of them. Wake up early, eat healthy. Eating healthy changes your mindset. Stretching, spending time with God, working on ministry stuff, work on my podcast, social media stuff, emails, retreats, upcoming programs, things in my career and my business I wanted to focus on. The highest version of myself makes dinner for my family is focused on helping my kids, reading to them, being present with my family, staying on top of my finances and my budget. Um, the scripture in 1 Timothy 3, 5 says, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? If you're trying to step into your calling and you want to inspire and impact the world, if you can't even manage your own household, how are you going to care for God's church? If you are not managing your own household and yet you're praying for something huge to happen because you want to make an impact and you want to change the world, it starts with your own family. To change the world, it starts with you. It goes to your spouse. It goes to your kids. It goes to your circle closest to you. And then further out, further out, further out, further out. The world wanting to change the entire world is the furthest away circle. You start with yourself. And you move your way out. Because if you change your energy, everything around you is going to change. If you're praying for God to do something big and he's not answering you, it's probably because he knows that you're not ready to do it. And you're like, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. I'm telling you, I'm ready. Let it go. Open the floodgates. I'm ready for this success. You're not. 
you can't even manage $100 going into your bank account. You're not even tithing $10 out of 100. You don't even have a savings account. You don't even know where your money's going. Your, your house is a disaster. There's clutter everywhere. There's stuff everywhere. You clearly can't even manage your household. You really think God is going to give you the world? It starts with you. That's why being on top of your finances, your budget, your health, your family. Remember being in God's will is being present in each moment, every single moment of every single day, being in a good mood, taking care of the things he's already blessed you with. He blessed you with a home. He blessed you with a husband. He blessed you with a body that can move and can talk and can feel. You need to show God that you're taking care of these things. Um, the highest version of myself communicates and spend time with my husband. I keep in touch with close friends. I stay organized. I don't overcommit. I have a 24-hour rule of saying yes that I try to stick by, but sometimes it just comes out super fast. I'm like, oh, I take that back. Give me a day. Uh, people will ask me something I'm like, you know what? Let me message you tomorrow. I'll check my schedule. The, what the person, the highest version of myself, what I do is I impact people everywhere I go. I pray diligently. I read my Bible and I prioritize my life and prioritize means you're staying ahead of life. And this goes back to being proactive instead of reactive. If you're prioritizing, you're not just reacting to something that happens. You're looking at your priorities and you're making the right decisions based on your priorities. Um, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So you're making the best use of your time. The days are evil. The devil is trying to get into your head. He's trying to mess up your schedule. He's trying to slow you down, trip you up any way that he can. The only way to do that is by asking God for help. So this should be on your prayer list, something that you should pray the beginning of every week, every day, if you can, asking God to help you prioritize your life the way that he sees fit. What's important to God? Not what's important to you or the world. What is important to God? If you wrote down all of the things that you need to prioritize and gave it to God, what would he say is the most important things to do? Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I love that scripture. It is so true. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. All will be added unto you if you seek first the kingdom. That's spending time with God. That's praying to God. That's reading your Bible. It's learning about who he created you to be. You're never going to learn that if you don't read it. So many Christians, people who call themselves Christians, do not read the Bible. They're like, I don't even know where to read. I don't even know what kind of, I don't even have a Bible. I don't understand the Bible. I don't know what book to start in. The whole thing is confusing to me. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to think because he's the author of confusion. So don't let that go. Don't let that, you know, change your priorities. Someone once told me this example, and you've probably heard it before, 
this is what truly was the start of changing my life and my priorities because I was drowning in responsibility. I couldn't even believe how many things that were on my list that I was supposed to do every day. Not even mentioning the highest version of myself list, who's eating three square meals a day and two snacks and drinking half my body weight and ounces of water and working out and taking my supplements and stretching and getting a good night's sleep and going to bed early and waking up early. It's also four kids, a husband, ministry work, church work, dogs, vacations, traveling, camping, house maintenance, trying to be a good, uh, good daughter, try to be a good sister. I have four sisters, a brother trying to, you know, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is so hard to do. And you're like, okay, I need to be a better version. I need to be a better version. I need to be a better version. And you have to be careful where perfectionist doesn't come into that because all perfectionism is, is nothing is ever good enough. That's what perfection means. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not good enough. You could go to the gym four days a week and all you focus on is the three days that you missed that week. You could eat 10 awesome meals this week and two bad ones and all you focus on is the bad ones. You can crush it all week long and have one bad Sunday and feel like your whole week was gone to crap because you're a perfectionist and nothing is ever good enough for you. And the thing with perfectionists is that nothing is ever good enough for you but nothing that anyone ever does is good enough for you either. And it destroys relationships and it puts, it just puts a bad energy out into the air, your kids and your husband and everyone feels like they have to be perfect and it's never good enough. And you might've been raised by someone who made you feel that way. And that's why you are the way you are is because nothing you ever did. Your grades were never good enough for your parents. You never were a good enough dancer or good enough at sports or you were never funny enough or caring enough or all it was was the one thing you did bad or the two grades that you got that weren't good enough and you develop this like I have to prove myself I have to be good enough so people accept me and like me and and you just try to people please and you have poor boundaries and that's that's what I'm talking about when I say everything comes from trauma drama daddy mama that is that is what it is like You've learned the way you are because of what you had to go through. This is prioritized by God. What is important to God? So there was a professor and he had a big glass jar and he filled it to the top with golf balls. And he said, is this jar full? And all of his students said, yeah, it's full. No more golf balls could fit in there. So then he took out stones, little pebbles, And he poured all the pebbles in the jar and everyone laughed and was like, okay, yeah, now it's full. And then he poured sand in there and the sand went in between all the cracks of all of the golf balls and all of the stones. And they all said, okay, now it's full. I get it. And then he added water to the jar and water fit in the jar. And then it was truly full and he put the lid on it and he showed this is your life. If you were to try to put in the water first, nothing else would fit in this jar without overflowing it. If you don't put it in this order, everything is going to overflow and it is not going to be contained in the jar. You only have 24 hours in a day. You only have so much mental capacity. Your golf balls represent the most important things in your life. The third thing I want you to journal 
is what are my 10 golf balls? It doesn't have to be 10 exactly. It can be like eight to 12, I would say. The categories of your life, what are things that truly matter? And if you have a job, your job should be one of the golf balls. A lot of people ask me that, like, do I put my job in there? I'm like, do you care about your job? Like, do you want to prioritize your job? Do you want to keep your job? Yes, you should add a golf ball of your job into your jar. Your people and your family are a golf ball. So I have five people in my family. I have a husband and four children. So I have five golf balls already for them because each one of them are prioritized in my life. God is a priority in my life. My, my extended family is a priority in my life. My health is a priority. My career is a priority. Writing down your priorities and prioritizing your life around these priorities. Now, when I had my little breakdown last week and I was in the valley and I was crying to John and I was telling him, like, I just, I feel so tired and I'm so exhausted and what's going on with me. And as I started talking, I started realizing that my biggest problem was that I didn't know what I was prioritizing. And I started creating this career last year where I realized I want to help women out of the valley. When I got out, I realized that's all I cared about. All I want to do is help other women feel better, relate to them, encourage them. And so I started building all of these things and doing all of these things. There's a lot of things that are finished. There's a lot of things that are only halfway finished. There are a lot of things that are started and haven't been progressed at all. And there's a lot of things that I want to start and haven't been able to have time to start them. And then there's my other part of my life. That's only one golf ball. That's literally one golf ball that I had all those questions and all that cloudiness around one golf ball. I have nine other golf balls in the jar. So what really helped me is John grabbed a piece of paper and he wrote at the top of it, career. He was like, this is your golf ball, your career. He actually said bucket. This is your career bucket. We need to prioritize the things that are in this bucket, the things that truly matter the most. So if you need to separate these golf balls or these buckets and write your own list of things on them of what matters most, then do that. It might help you like it helped me. And all I thought of was my career bucket. And I wrote down all of the things that I have in the works, the things that are almost done, the things I need to focus on, the things that I want to start eventually one day. And I looked at all of those things and I thought, what is the most important thing that I do right now? And what I found out that the most important things that I do is post on social media, show up and do my podcast and write my book. Everything else in the career golf ball category does not matter right now. The most important things are those. If I don't post on social media, I'm not. I'm not getting my word out there. I'm not connecting to new people. Good for me that I'm doing podcasts twice a week, but if I don't ever tell anyone about them, no one's ever going to listen to them. So posting on social media is huge. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see that I haven't been posting on social media. I haven't posted anything on Instagram in probably a week, week and a half. And I need to, because I'm already doing the work. I'm doing the work. And now I'm not just putting the icing on the cake that finishes it all. Make the post. And then my podcast, that's how I get my word out there. That's how I encourage my people. 
that needs to be there in my book. That's how it's going to be the icing on it all. It's going to help change everyone finishing my book. So my clothing brand and my coaching program and my clarity calls and my website, all of those things. Yes. Do I need them for sure? Do I need them right now? No, they're not a priority right now. I need to focus on this. So you might look at your, your health golf ball and think, what do I need to do right now to prioritize my health? Victoria, I love how open and honest you were and said that because you're a nurse, you've always just taken care of everyone else. You had no idea how to take care of yourself. I think a lot of us women can relate to that. We are nurturing and caring just in general as women, some of us more than others, and it's hard. You also might've been raised and conditioned to think that it was selfish to care for yourself and to do things for yourself because you should be helping other people and not be helping yourself. So you might have to make a doctor's appointment. You might have to find a dietitian. You might have to go find a wellness doctor, a chiropractor, get some blood work done. You, that might be where your priorities are, where you're like, okay, enough is enough. I know I have something going on with my thyroid. I know I have something going on with this. I know that this is wrong. My hair is super thin. It's falling out. I feel like I'm cold all the time. Like if you feel like there's something wrong with your body and your health, there probably is. You intuitively know. You might have to go back before you can go forward and take a step back. What is wrong with me? What do I need help with? Find something that you like to do, moving your body. Like I talked last Monday, like I hate running. Running wasn't my thing. I like taking classes. You might like stretching. You might like Pilates. You might like hit workouts. You might like cardio. You might not like any of it. <laughs> and you're like, help. Like, I hate it all. What do I do? You have to start somewhere. Look at each golf ball and really dissect it and look at the things and prioritize your future life. You're prioritizing your life tomorrow. You're looking at these things. And if this is where your priorities are, you're making this list for the week coming up tomorrow, the next hour. You're like, this is what I'm going to focus on. For me in my marriage, the number one most important thing that I focus on is one-on-one -on -one time with my husband. So there is never a week where I don't have time for one-on-one -on -one time with my husband. Now, of course, there is weeks where there is no time. I have to make the time. And like, Caitlin, you're not with your husband right now because you're traveling for work. You can make date nights where you guys get on Zoom, where you FaceTime. You're like, let's both get carry out. Let's both get Chinese carry out and sit down together on Zoom and let's talk. Like do the same thing together. Let's both go to a park and read at the same time on Zoom. Like you can still be creative and do things where you're putting the time together. If you're just like, okay, I have so much to do and I just need to keep doing it. Nothing is ever going to change because you have to take a step back and think, what is the most important thing right now? What does God really want me to do right now? And the last thing that I want to mention is my favorite scripture in the entire world. And it's Psalm 23. Uh, I love all of Psalm 23, but this is just verses one through six. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The very beginning of that, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I feel like he, he has to force me to lay down. Like he has to grab my arm and like twist it behind my back. And so the only thing I can do is like fall to the ground and he gets me in this chokehold and it's like, you're gonna relax, like knock it off. You have to slow down. And that's when my anxiety comes in. And that's when I get in the valley. And that's every single time I realize this is him making me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes I'm lying down in my bed. Sometimes I'm lying on my hammock. Sometimes he makes me sick and it forces me in bed. It forces me to slow down. It forces me to relax. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's not making you lie down on hard stones. It's green pastures. He will lead you. He restores you. You don't have to do this on your own. You're not trying to do this in your own strength. There's no self-help book that's going to help you do this. Now, there are books that are going to help you develop habits. Like I love Atomic Habits and I'm actually in the middle of rereading it right now. So I love that you mentioned that book. There are a lot of resources and tricks and books and things that can help you. And I love books. I love reading. I am so grateful for reading. And I, I am just obsessed with reading books. But if no books ever existed and all you had was the Holy Spirit, you could do this. God wants you to be in the highest version of yourself because that's when you're going to accomplish the goal that he has set out for your life. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He wrote out your story in the book before you were ever even born. He knows your strengths. He knows your skills, your talents, what he put in you. You don't have to know it. You don't, you're not in control. And the future is really none of your business. It isn't. You're called to be in the present. You're not called to be in the future. You're called to be in the present. Take good care of what you have. Be in a good mood. Be grateful. Be connected to God. And he will lead you. He will guide you. It's promises that he has written down in scripture. So you're not alone. And you don't have to be the lowest version of yourself. But it starts with identifying what does that person feel like on a day-to-day -day basis and what does this person do where it'll match your feelings versus your actions. And if you need help with this and you need someone to look at your list or you feel overwhelmed with your list and you have something significant or special or different about your, your situation that you just want some extra eyes on what you're doing or some kind of advice, please message me on Instagram. I would love to give you my feedback. I would love to pray for you, uh, recommend books to you, recommend stories in the Bible for you to read and to look at. 
don't feel like you're alone and don't let the devil tell you that people are too busy for you and to just keep your mouth shut and to just stay by yourself because he wants you isolated and God wants you around other people. He says it all over scripture. He wants you around a community around other people. Do not be alone. The devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. If there is a herd of deer and a lion is coming, he, he's not going to get them as easy because they're in a herd together. If one separates and runs over here, where do you think the lion's going? The lion is following the one that is separating. So do not separate from the herd. Do not isolate yourself. Do not put up the walls and not let anybody in. At least message me and let me in or message a good friend or a spouse or someone at your church. Don't be alone in this. Thank you, Victoria, for showing up at the perfect timing. Like, how could this even be more perfect? I love this. It's so divine. Uh, I've been wanting to have Victoria on as a speaker for months now. And we've been trying to connect and get it scheduled so we can do it. And this was just so random this morning. And I love that because it shows that it's just God's perfect timing. And the fact that we were talking about this and you got on, it was like, just so perfect. So thank you for sharing so vulnerably. Uh, what's your Instagram, Victoria? So people can connect with you if they want to talk further. It's built, B-U-I-L-T, strong with three G's. Yep. Built, built strong with three, G, with three G's. Perfect. So follow Victoria on Instagram, reach out to her if her story resonated with you and you want to chat with her. She is such a beautiful soul. I love you. Thank you for being on here. Thank you. Um, and thank you everyone else for being on live. I truly, truly appreciate you. I hope that you have a great day, a really good weekend, restore your soul, connect with God, and I'll see you back here on Monday. So love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.